This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, what's the latest on the debt limit agreement between the White House and Congress here to talk to us about it is the executive associate director of the White House Office of Management and Budget, OMB. Michael Linden is here. Associate Director Linden, how are you? Uh, I'm great. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to have you. So how much did the White House have to compromise to get this deal? So let's just step back for a minute and understand what this agreement does, right? This agreement is to prevent a massive economic calamity, right? An unprecedented default that would have created a recession. People would have lost their jobs. People would have lost their uh, value in their retirement accounts. Totally unnecessarily, this was not, uh, you know, this is this would have been uh, really an unprecedented crisis. And this agreement will prevent that. This agreement will also protect the economic uh, uh, recovery that this ex- country has been experiencing over the last several years under this administration. Record low unemployment, 12 million jobs created, uh, more manufacturing jobs, people getting into good jobs. Uh, and it will also protect the key investments that this um, this administration has made in things like clean energy and workforce development and bringing down healthcare costs. Uh, so none of those things are going to be impacted by this agreement. But yes, this is a bipartisan agreement. This is a situation where uh, one party controls the House of Representatives and the other party controls the White House. And in that situation, you always gonna, you're always going to have to make some compromises and come up with a, an agreement that's acceptable to both sides. And that's what we have here. Now, some of the things you mentioned that would be preserved, though, to be clear, some of those items were on the table. If the other side had had their way, some of those things would have been in jeopardy, correct? Oh, absolutely right. The um, The House Republicans passed a bill um, that uh, would have done enormous damage to uh, millions and millions of people in, in so many different ways. It would have repealed the clean energy investments that we made as part of the Inflation Reduction Act. It would have repealed the healthcare savings uh, the prescription drug savings that were in that bill, it would have imposed enormous cuts on everything from Head Start and child care to Meals on Wheels and cancer research in uh, in veterans health care. These cuts were simply unacceptable to this president and it was never going to happen. And he made that clear as part of these negotiations. And I'm very happy to say that none of that is going to be part of this agreement. Uh, we protected those things and and we are not going to go backwards. The and the deal runs through 2025, I'm correct. So we're not doing this again six months or a year from now. No, that's right. That's right. Look, in the past 10 years, we've gotten in the habit uh, here in Washington of doing two year deals. Uh, Every couple of years, we do a two year deal on on budget and spending levels. That's what we've done here. And often that is accompanied by a two year extension of the debt limit. And that's what's happening here, too. Why people obviously want to know why? Why do we have to keep doing this every two years? Why can't it just be permanent? Doesn't could the president have used Fourteenth Amendment power if it came to the eleventh hour? Look, I think that at the end of the day, the only safe way to prevent an economic consequence was Congress raising the debt ceiling or suspending the debt ceiling, as it's done so many times in the past, as it did three times under the previous administration, without complaint, without controversy. The only safe way to make sure that we were not going to have economic consequences was to go down that legislative path. And the president, his top priority is to protect this economic recovery, to grow this economy from the middle out and the bottom up. And so he had to 
negotiate a two-year budget agreement as we always do. And along with that would come a two-year agreement on the debt ceiling. And, and, and that's, what, that's what we've done here. And that is the only safe way to make sure that people don't have to wake up one morning and find that their retirement accounts have lost 30% of value or that they've lost their job or that they can't put food on their table. That, that's, that was the priority. Wasn't to defense spending an item in this deal? Can you talk to us about that? I'm sorry, say defense spending? Defense spending. Wasn't that yes. an item in so, this deal? Absolutely. You know, uh, our colleagues on the other side of the aisle have this view that we should spend more on national defense and less on domestic priorities. Um, that's that's not that's not our view. Our view is that, that we need to invest appropriately both in defense and non-defense to meet the challenges that the United States has in the world, but also to meet the challenges that the United States has here at home. Uh, and we we can do that. We can invest appropriately, and we can do that in a fiscally responsible way. You know, the president put out a budget that had really important investments in both defense and non-defense and paid for it all by asking the wealthy and corporations to begin to pay their fair share in taxes. There are people in this country who are billionaires who pay less in taxes than a firefighter or a teacher, and that's just really unacceptable. Now, we made that argument uh, in the room with our Republican colleagues. That was not something they were receptive to. Similarly, we were not receptive to making cuts to Social Security or Medicare. That was never going to happen in this situation. We are not going to cut those things. The president was super clear about that. They were not receptive to uh, improving our tax code. And so we ended up having to negotiate really just about uh, the normal every year appropriations and government funding process, which we do every year. All right. Ms. Lynn, I couldn't help but hear you say you used the term we when you talked about what was negotiating. Were you actually in the room? Were you involved in these negotiations? I, I did have the privilege of uh, being part of the team that helped to negotiate this with uh, my boss, Shalanda Young, the director, the Office of Management and Budget. It's been an honor and a privilege. I can't say enough about good things about working for her. Uh, and of course, ultimately, we all work for the president of the United States. And uh, this is really his his agreement. Um, but I I uh, did have the honor and privilege of helping to bring this uh, bring this to fruition. Uh, well, you, when you say privilege, it, it compels me to say congratulations, but well, I'm sure that was yeah, a harrowing yeah. process. I'm sure you lost a lot of sleep. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So you, it, you, you it, love it, to do it again, is what you said. Was that much fun? Uh, for you? Uh, maybe <laughs> not. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a it was a big responsibility yeah, and I sure. uh, was very fortunate to have an incredible leader like Shalanda Young and the president to follow. No, Shalanda is incredible. And congratulations on that. So now here's the other thing that people are concerned about. Progressives are a lot of us are. Explain to us the compromise on SNAP. I've, I've been trying to do some reading. I can't quite get a, a clear understanding of the pros and cons of that. Yeah. Well, let's let's remember that what Republicans were asking for in the SNAP program was a really substantial reduction in benefits for people make, uh, between the ages of 50 and 55. And in fact, in the, in the negotiating room, they actually asked for even more uh, reductions in SNAP uh, that were not even in the bill that they passed. And that was fundamentally unacceptable to us. We are not going to reduce the deficit on the backs of working people and of people who are struggling to get by. That is just not something this administration is going to do. Uh, but the Republicans did insist on some some uh, expansions of the uh, requirements around uh, work and time limits for people age 50 to 55. But I want to make three important points here. First, those new requirements will be phased in over several years. So people who are 
in that age group right now are not going to be subject to new requirements. Uh, this is going to be phased in over the course of several years. Second, if we were insistent that if they were going to make these changes, we needed to make real improvements to the SNAP program as well, not just make it harder for people to get their benefits. We've got to make improvements, and we're happy to say that we did. So veterans, people who are homeless or experiencing homelessness, and young people who were foster children will actually now have better access to SNAP at all ages, not just people 15, 55, all ages will have better access to SNAP going forward. And that's an important, uh, an important victory. And then the last thing I want to say about this is that all of this is time limited. We insisted that if they're going to make these changes, they are not going to be permanent. We are going to have Congress revisit this question in a few years. And if it's not working, if people are losing their benefits who deserve them, who need them, who are, and people are being hurt by this, Congress is going to have an opportunity to revisit this question. So now, to be clear, though, there's a work requirement. So SNAP, you may, you may know SNAP already has work requirements for people up to the age of 50. And what's going to happen now is that we will phase in those same uh, requirements for people up to the age of 54. However, uh, that's time limited and phased in. And it's going to be paired with these improvements where pe more people are actually going to be exempt from those requirements at all ages, veterans and people who are homeless and people who are uh, young people who were who were in foster care. Okay, okay. So where it was up to fifty, now it's up to fifty-four for the work requirement. What you're saying? Yes, but not, but not immediately, right? It's going to phase in uh, over several years, and and then again it will, and then it will sunset. It will go away. Uh, and that is going to be an, op an important moment for Congress to decide whether that was something that actually worked or didn't work. You're OMB. What I'm about to ask you, I don't think it's a political question. I think I can ask you this. When we look at the SNAP eligible population and even in the age group you described, isn't it kind of true that the very people Republicans wanted these new measures on upon affect a large number of people? And, you know, there's this myth that SNAP and and, and uh, you know, all people look like me, only people. But isn't it true that this is actually going to affect a significant part of their constituency? Am I right about that? Look, SNAP is a successful and important program for many, many Americans who uh, come from all backgrounds. And you're absolutely right. This is not a program uh, that only affects one segment of the population or another. It affects millions and millions of people. There are so many stories of people who grew up relying on SNAP benefits, who then went on to uh, to have exactly what we expect. They, they go on to successful lives. They go on to uh, to uh, to really uh, fulfill their potential. And that is what these programs are there for. They are to provide that critical safety net. Um, and look, it was not it was not lightly that we took um, some of these changes in SNAP. Uh, and and as I said at the beginning. This was a bipartisan compromise. Compromises always come with winning some things and losing some things. And I don't want to take it lightly, these changes that are going to be made to people between 50 and 54. Um, but that is partly why we were very insistent that um, we have to make the SNAP program better overall. Okay. And that means that uh, millions of people will actually have better access to those critical benefits uh, over the next several years. But I don't want to take it lightly. This, is, right, this, is, right. this was a... This was not an easy thing for us to agree to, and I will, I will, uh, I will say that is why we insisted that it, that it sunset, that it, it be time limited, so we have an opportunity to go back 
and say, uh-uh, we're not doing this again. What year would the sunset be? 2030. Okay. Lastly, um, so where are we on the process? The deal has been reached. Yep. Holiday weekend coming to a close. If I remember correctly, if I heard this correctly, I think er the earliest day that this can be handled on the floor would be Wednesday? That's right. Okay. That's right. So what we expect is that uh, the House will uh, consider this piece of legislation as early as Wednesday. Um, I'm, we're really hopeful that this is going to pass on a bipartisan basis. I'm sure that there will be people in uh, both parties who are disappointed. Um, I know that there are people on the far right uh, who really wanted m much larger cuts. They wanted much bigger changes. They wanted to really roll back all of the Biden administration's successes. And we're not doing any of that in this in this piece of, uh, of legislation. So I can imagine there will be some disappointment, but I'm confident this is a bipartisan agreement. It was a compromise that both parties can live with. And so I do think it's going to pass in the House and then it'll go to the Senate and will hopefully pass on a bipartisan basis there as well. It has to. It's going to have to pass on a bipartisan basis there. And we'll get this done in time to prevent the economic calamity that uh, that would be completely unnecessary and first of its kind. But you must you all must have some anxiety on MB that, you know, some of these folks are kind of anarchistic. You know, they may try to blow it up. It, worst case scenario, we pray that doesn't happen. But if it does, what happens? How much time? What's the clock on? How much time do we have left if, if we don't uh, do this this week? The Secretary of the Treasury has said that uh, June 5th is the date by which we need to have this resolved. Uh, we take that seriously, and I hope members of Congress take that seriously. And I have no doubt that there will be some members of Congress who want a grandstand or um, to call attention to themselves, but I'm confident that bipartisan majorities are going to see uh, that this is a responsible, reasonable compromise uh, that does a little bit of what we want, a little bit of what they want, um, that's the way it works when you have divided government. That's what we've done in the past. And, you know, this president has a long track record of finding good agreements that can pass Congress. And I think that's going to be the case here, too. Well, let's hope for the best on that. If not, then surely you all have to go back into negotiations. Uh, but sounds like you kind of enjoyed it. You probably can't wait to go back here to <laughs> I was messing uh, with you, man. <laughs> I, 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 could use a, I could use a nap. <laughs> I know that's right. No, we won't wish that on you. We'll hope for the best. Having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great. But having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0. Folks, stay tuned for all of this news and, and keep, you know, close watch on it. Uh, June 5th, Monday, is when this needs to get done. And we'll see who's, you know, really interested in going forward. I mean, as we go through this process, we see those who are most interested in, you know, going forward with the business of the country rather than trying to do other things. It, to me, are frankly saboteurs. They may score political points. But as I alluded to, I mean, some of these compromises were on the backs of the very constituency that the other side claims to be trying to serve. You got to take a good look at that, folks. Michael London, Executive Associate Director of the Office of Management and Budget. We thank you for joining us on Make It Plain. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter 
to a sister brother who just so happens to find her himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand, and above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love, and please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.